0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of uh, 100 Books a Year with Kevin. Uh, Let's start to wrap up um, on this noise conversation, right? We've been diving into it pretty deeply for the last few days. Uh, We're probably going to do a couple more episodes, but uh, we should be in the process of wrapping this topic up. So let's talk about fixing the noise that we cover for the last few times, right? How should we... Debias, right? How should we make an unbiased decision? And then how should we practice something called a decision hygiene? Right? So approaches ask this kind of an issue, right? Let's say you have a scale, right? You want to weigh yourself. Let's say the scale weighs you, and then you are 0.5 pounds over every single time, right? So there are two ways you can te- uh, technically fix this, right? The one way is you can subtract 0.05 pounds off of your weight on that, uh, on that uh, scale every single time. Or you can fix the dial, right? Flick the dial for the um, scale. I'm talking about like old-fashioned mechanical scale and then just fix it once and for all, right? So this is kind of like what we when we talk about fixing... Human judgment or de biasing is do you want to correct the judgment or do you want to interfere before the decision is made? Right, so correcting the judgment meaning that you've you know subtract 0.5 pounds from your uh scale every single time, or do you want to kind of change the way that uh before the de- to the decision to uh, make sure that there's less noise in your decision after you do you've done that, right. So, taking it like a like a bit a step further, right we we also have a thing called an intuitive fix, right? So that is part of the correcting fix. Let's say a product might take three months, but you you might want to ask for four months of time just to use it as a buffer, right? Or we have this thing called nudges, right? If you are you know interested in behavioral uh, economics, read uh, nudges as a book by. Richard Teller, Richard Teller, um, he talks about a lot of, of different nudges in that particular situation, right? For example, um, put the healthy food in a prominent position in you know, a grocery store so people will, will buy more or automatic enrol- uh, enrollment into a, re- a pension plan or, re- or retirement plan savings, right? So... That is an easier way to fix it, right? Just dialing the scale back 0.5 pounds every single time. That's very, very easy. Uh, most, most people can do it, right? It's called a creative behavior. But the thing is, is teaching people to be aware of, the, of biases is hard, right? So like the idea of uh, fixing it or getting a sense of it before the judgment is really, really hard. Right, so here's what we mean by that. Um, if we are thinking about the forecasting industry, right, um, or kind of in a sense, either in you know, a what uh, uh, weather forecast or political forecast, right, like they usually say, okay, seventy percent of rain, right, or seventy percent chance of this candidate is going to win, but they might have a buying, uh, they might have a blind spot, so what can a decision maker do to observe and support and try to eliminate those, those noises? Um, Danny argued that there are two things that we can do, right? We can become a decision observers. So here's what he means, right? Either you're a supervisor, right? Like just watching over other people or um, the each team member will have like a bias busters, I think the it is pretty fun to call it like a bias busters, right? So, um, kind of have a person there on the outside or on the team who monitors the behavior, make sure that we're not being biased, and be the devil's uh, be the devil's um, advocates, right? Or have like an outside facilitator in a sense, uh, hire a third party, right? I think um, the accounting world does it very very uh, much in their practices, so. The thing about the decision observer is that, you know, they might have a checklist, right? They might have a buyer buster right? They might um, be the devil's advocate. Uh, it's really good, but that is a tough job that I think not very many people want to take because of the political capital that, that, uh, that's being caused, right? Like, you know, I, that person is probably not going to be very likable, but I think it's very, very important part of the uh, situation of the decision making. So... Um, that is part of the way that we can change it or we can uh, update our uh, decision-making process before noise happens, right, right, right? Or before um, the, what's the term? The uh, judgment cost decision happen. So let's talk about this, right? There's also a concept that Danny introduced called the decision hygiene. So if you think about personal hygiene, right, we're we're thinking about maybe shower uh, every day, right, or wash your hands. So the thing about decision hygiene is in a similar mindset where the goal is to prevent the unspecified range of noise before they occur. It's kind of like washing your hand, right? You don't know which germ exactly you're washing off, but you know that washing off your hand will cause the germs to fall off, right? So if you adopt a couple hygiene measures for reduced noise, then you're going to be kind of like good for the long term, if that makes sense. Um, So how should we practice this whole decision hygiene situation? Danny argues that uh, we need to have a structure in terms of a complex judgment. Um, We cannot just go, okay, let's go with the flow, right? So we need to... to have a decomposition, right? Like break down the decision components, focus on the importance in the components, and then really use it as a roadmap, right? To see what kind of a data is needed for us to collect the information and judge how well are we doing, right? And then in terms of getting a structure for complex judgment, we also want to make sure that we are independent and that we're delaying holistic judgment as well. So what that means is, we want to make sure that everybody has their own uh, own uh, 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 opinion. There's less group thing as possible. And then we want to make sure that we avoid or delay getting the whole black and white kind of a scenario in the results. So let's use interview as an example, right? Because noise in the interview, we talked about it before, it's, it, like, it can be a lot. So let's say um, there is... Some noise in terms of determining how quickly will the person adapt to the role, right? So, so, so that is a form of error in job performance. Let's say uh, different preferences in in the uh, uh, interview, right? The interviewer typically prefer people of their own race. They probably uh, really looking at looks, like looks matter, right? The first impression matter as well. So different interviewer can have different opinions about the same interviewee, right? We talked about that before. So let's use a quick example. I love this example, right? So let's say hypothetically, a CFO only work at a job uh, at a company for a few months and then he left, right? So when a CFO was sitting in front of you to to, uh, get a job that you're offering, you might ask, "Hey, um why did you leave that company so quickly like cause you just got hired as a CFO? Like what happened there?" right? So, let's say, uh, let's say the CFO say, "Yeah, I had a, a you know, a strategic disagreement with my CEO and then I just have to leave the company because we just cannot work together." Okay. So consider that sentence, right? So there are two possible interviewer, or maybe more than that, but the two dominant possible interviewer response, right? So the first interviewer might say, huh, okay, I don't like him because he likes to he, uh, he likes to challenge the CEO a lot, right? That's normal, right? Like, yeah, like sounds like uh, this person is hard to manage, right? If the second interviewer might be thinking, huh, I like this guy, right? This is kind of where I personally fall under. He's like, yeah, I like him because he's, he, he, uh, he is an independent thinker. He has the maturity to work with the uh, CEO. And then I really like the fact that he actually go out and, you know, uh, and voice his con- uh, concern and then voice his opinion. And then and in, in the end, it didn't work out. But I like that trait about them. Right. So oh, oh, Sorry, guys. So that's it, guys. All right, we're gonna call it today. My puppy is barking, but this is decision uh, hygiene, and then we go from there. Thank you guys. Bye.